Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Nicholson, here for the Sunderland Echo. And we're going to be previewing Sunderland's championship match against Sheffield United at Bramall Lane this weekend, uh, or this week even. It's taking place on Wednesday. And we're joined today by Blaze reporter James Shield from our sister title, the Sheffield Star. James, how's things with you? Yeah, all good, all good. Thanks, Joe. And uh, and yourself, of course. It'd be rude not to ask, wouldn't it? Yeah, pretty. Sunderland have had a pretty good start to the season. I'm beaten so far, but I think it's going to be a tough test. Uh, away at Bramall Lane, I think certainly their toughest test of the season so far. So uh, interesting uh, to see how they get on. And we're going to have a close look at the Blades, uh, get your perspective ahead of uh, Wednesday's game. Um, so, so far this season, it's been probably a bit mixed in terms of results for, for United. Uh one win, one draw, one defeat. Uh, lost away at Watford on the opening game of the season, then beat Millwall 2-0 at home, and then a 2-2 draw away at Middlesbrough on Sunday. So how would you assess their start to the season? Yeah, I think it's fair to say it's been a solid rather than a, a spectacular start, but probably the start that a lot of us down here in South Yorkshire would have expected uh, Paul Hackingbottom's team to to have had. They uh, they did quite a bit of business in the transfer market, but a lot of that business has come towards the. I can't say at the end of the window because obviously the window's still still open, but a lot of it came towards the back end of the window. So I think the the season for Sheffield United might prove to be a, a little bit of a slow burn. Hopefully not quite as slow as the one that we uh, that we saw at Bramall Lane last term. But I think it's going to be a season that Sheffield United are going to grow into. So I don't think there's any disgrace at losing to Watford. Uh, I think Watford, if certainly if uh, if so, and Denise stay at the uh, at the football club, of course, you know, and they they both took part in that game as well as Jao Pedro. That's that's a, a front line that is is far too good for the championship. There's no point in in dressing it up any other way. Uh, they beat Millwall. A, a well-organised Millwall side, as uh, as is always the case under Gary Rowett. And then I thought last uh, or Sunday's result against Middlesbrough, obviously it's quite an emotive fixture for Sheffield United uh, with Chris Wilder being at the Riverside. But I thought that was a, that was a really good game. There were, there were some good positive signs uh, for Sheffield United within that performance. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's been solid. As I say, it's not been spectacular. But because everything that's happened at the football club over the summer, because they're coming into it off the back of a, a big disappointment, of course, losing in the playoff semi-finals last season, I think when you, when you assess what they've done in context, uh, I think it's been uh, fairly encouraging. Mm. I mean, a lot of people are tipping Sheffield United to be one of the teams that are up there, definitely around the top six. So would you say the expectation this season is promotion? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's no point in pretending otherwise. They they got to the, the playoff semi-finals last season and that was a season that they expected to be promoted uh, from the championship in as well. So that was a that was a huge disappointment. I don't think anybody at the at the football club, certainly on the playing side, tried to to dress up how disappointing it was not to make an immediate return to the Premier League. And for a whole host of reasons, particularly when you look at the contract situation at the football club, number of big players again out uh, or scheduled to become free agents this summer. I think it's vitally important that Sheffield United get up this year. I certainly think when you look at the options Paul Heckingbottom 
has got at his disposal, they should be challenging towards the top end of the division. Whether or not they're they're going to be good enough to uh, to get a top two place, I think a lot of that depends on what happens at other other football clubs and the players that they sign and the players that they keep. But certainly, Sheffield United should be looking to uh, should be looking to challenge. What is kind of the view on Paul Heckenbottom? So he came in. Um, it was kind of an interim manager, wasn't it, at the end of the 2021 season. Um, then he got replaced by Slavica Jukanovic, and now he's then went back to the first team. Um, so what's kind of the view on the job that he's done? Obviously, got into the playoffs last season. Yeah, I think when you judge Paul Heckenbottom's reign, although he was in charge, as you as you said, for that last season that the club had in the Premier League or from March onwards when, when Chris Wilder left, Paul would have put it slightly differently at the time, and indeed he did. But, you know, everybody covering the football club knew that basically he, when you looked at where they were in the division, they were bottom of the table at the time. It had taken them until January to, uh, to get a win. The only job or the, the, the only real item that Paul Hackingbottom had on the agenda when he first came in in that caretaker role was effectively to stage manage as orderly an exit from the Premier League as was possible. Uh, then, as you said, Joe, Sheffield United went in a slightly different direction. They brought in Slavisa Jukanovic. I thought personally it was going to be a really good appointment at the time. I think it should have been a good appointment, but for a whole host of reasons that will probably bore your viewers to death in, in Sunderland, I won't go into those, but there were reasons behind why... Uh, or, you know, behind Slavisa's failure to sort of really impress at Sheffield United. It's a really, really high pedigree manager. I think we all know that. But Paul came in, and I think he's he's got an awful lot of goodwill in the, you know, in the tank among Sheffield United supporters. The club was struggling in November when Paul was appointed. And again, there is no point in pretending otherwise. Eyebrows were raised when he was when he was given the job. But he's he's done really well, and I think he's shown himself to be quite sort of cute in a in an intelligent way. Because one of the things he did was Slavisa had tried to sort of change the the whole ethos of the football club, the whole modus operandi of how Sheffield United did things. What what Paul Heckingbottom did was go back to something that was broadly similar to the the strategy that had brought Sheffield United all that success under under Chris Wilder and it was a it was a system it was a way of doing things that the players knew so they were immediately comfortable with it and he delivered some really good results taking them up from 16th to to 5th in the table where they where they eventually finished so he's got a lot of goodwill in the tank he's got the support base behind him i think you know most people like what they see and they like what they hear from Paul Heckingbottom but as we know, football's a, a ruthless old game, isn't it? And this is a new season now. He's had a pre-season with the with the squad, and so he's going to be he's going to be judged on that. And Paul Paul knows that. But listen, if you if you're at a football club, you want to be at one with expectation. Alex Neil will say exactly the same thing at Sunderland. I think although it must be intensely irritating for them at times to sort of be judged on this almost week by week basis. They would rather have that than be at a football club that is just happy to sort of tootle along in the middle of the division, not really that bothered if it goes up, not really that bothered if it goes down, and that's probably how the fan base views things as well. If you're at a big football club in the Championship, that comes with pressure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, looking at the team, it looks like Sheffield United have gone back to a back three after, like, yeah. similar to what they were doing under Chris Wilder. Yeah. Do you expect many changes to the team that started against Middlesbrough on Sunday? I think there'll be there'll be a few. Uh, Billy Sharp, uh, who despite being well, I mean, he's 30, 36, I believe, forty seven, mm. as Ollie Mc, Ollie McBurney referred to him in the uh, in the pre match press conference. He's still the best finisher at the football club. He's still hugely important to Sheffield United, but he won't take part in the game. He rolled his ankle uh, during the, the the early the opening period of the first half at Middlesbrough. Played on to half time, but it was it, it was apparent then the the coaching staff said that he wouldn't he, he wouldn't be able to continue. So Billy won't start the game. Uh, I think there'll be maybe one or two changes i don't expect there to be to be a whole raft of of, of changes though to be honest uh i think they've, they've got a few injuries people like ender stevens being out people like tommy doyle who they signed on loan from manchester city just coming back from from an injury that he sustained in pre-season uh people like Jaden bogle who who were out ender stevens i think as i as i mentioned so that I don't see many changes to the core of the side. I think potentially where there, where there could be some is at the top end of the pitch. Obviously, as I've said, there is going to be one in attack and it'll be interesting to see who who Paul brings in to replace Billy Sharp uh, because they're, they're, I think what they've got, Sheffield United sort of attack at the moment, there's four or five really good players in there. All four or five of them bring something slightly different to the table. So it's sometimes quite difficult to predict because who Paul Heckingbottom selects will very much depend on the game plan he's got or he's devised to face Sunderland. But I think people might be looking to see somebody like Raider Kadra come into the starting eleven. He's not started a league game yet, but he, he's, he's certainly knocking on the door and he's got the ability. And he, again, he's been signed from Brighton and over Albany and he won't have come here to sit on the bench. There's there's no point in dressing that up or or pretending that his aims for the season are going to be any different either. So there's a, there's a potential change there. But I think that I think the team that faced Middlesbrough, let me put it like this, will look very recognisable uh, and look very, very familiar and very similar to the one which faces uh, your boys from Sunderland. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned uh, Raider Kadra because he was actually a player that was on, on Sunderland's radar before mm. uh, choosing to go to Sheffield United. But uh, he's one of the, the players that's come in at United this summer. Um, got a couple, listed a couple of the others here. Kieran Clark. You mentioned Tommy Doyle, James McAtee um, and the defender uh, Arnold Amedovic. I don't know if yes. I yeah, yeah. correctly. Um, but does the squad feel that it's stronger than it was last season uh, to kind of, kind of push for a promotion? It, it, it does feel stronger, yes. I think... If, if, if you want to put it like this, when when Paul Heckingbottom came in, or even indeed earlier this season, when he was sort of earlier last season, sorry, uh, God, do you know what? I'm all over the place here, aren't I? I do apologise. Earlier this year, when Sheffield United were, were pushing for that place in the playoffs, I don't think Paul Heckingbottom had too many really tough decisions to make before games, if everybody, you know, Given, given what he had at his uh, what he had at his disposal, I think this season it is tougher. And we were talking to him today about you know how do you squeeze all of these attacking players: McAtee, Tommy Doyle, Raider Kadra, uh, Rian Brewster, Billy Sharp, Ollie McBurn. How how do you squeeze them all into a 
sort of a starting 11 or as many of them as possible. And it will be difficult. But the very fact that he's now got those choices to make, I think suggests and, and demonstrates that the squad is stronger. I've got a personal issue about the fact how many of those players that Sheffield United have brought in, how many of them are, are on loan. Mm. And I don't think personally that's a particularly healthy position for for the football club to be in. But that that is an argument for another date, really. On paper, on the pitch, Sheffield United, yeah, I think they do look a stronger squad uh, mm. than, they, than they did towards the end of last term. And Ahmed Hozic, who you, you mentioned there, is... He's their one permanent signing, or, or, or I should say signing that they've spent money on because they did bring Adam Davis, the goalkeeper, back to the football club as well after his deal expired. He's made them look strong as well. He's someone who's come in. They, they do play quite a, a distinct style, quite a uh, sort of, I mean, it's not a unique way, but it's it, it's very unfamiliar. It's not the type of system that you often see in the championship with the the centre-halves overlapping. They're doing it a little bit less than they did under Chris Wilder, but nonetheless, that's not something you see too often, especially when the two wing-backs are bombing on as well. Ahmed Ozic, I think, looks a really, really intelligent player as well as a very good player because he's really quickly adapted to that. He's made that position his own, and I think he's brought something different to the uh, to the table as well at the back. So, yeah, I've gone on far too long there, but yes, Joe, I do think they are stronger yeah. than they were yeah. last Certainly sounds like it. I mean, one player we haven't even mentioned is uh, Sander Burge. Um, I was listening to uh, Heckenbottom's comments saying that, you know, if if he does go, it's going to be, well, they can't find a replacement really because he's such a high quality. They've spent a lot of money for him in the Premier League. But just how important is he to this team and who are kind of the other key players that Sunderland will have to watch out for at Bramall Lane? Yeah, San, Sander is hugely important. He's he spent an awful lot of time adjusting, I think, to, to the physical aspects of English football, which might seem slightly surprising for someone who's six foot four mm. and he's, he's built like a sort of a heavyweight boxer. But now he's grasped that and now he's playing a slightly different role actually to the one he was brought into play. Uh, he's, he's playing a far more offensive role now. He, he looks like the player that Sheffield United thought they had spent £22 million on while they were still in the Premier League. And Paul is right. If they sell him, they can't replace him because he's not going to get all of that money back to uh, to sort of fill the void created by Sander's departure. So that you know, if if, if Sander goes, that that certainly would weaken Sheffield United. But he's a player that Sunderland will have to look out for. He's a player that I know Alex. I mean, listen, I'm not telling Alex Neil something he doesn't already know. Here, he'll have been doing his homework on him. Uh, you know, he brings a real goal threat. He's got a lovely ability just to sort of glide past uh, past defenders as well and markers. So he's certainly someone to look out for. Uh, Raider Kadra, for reasons that you've already mentioned there, Joe, you know, if, if he plays, and hopefully he will do, you know, and has a really good game, that will be a case of almost like the one that got away, won't it, for Sunderland yeah. fans. But I like players like him, uh, because I think they just bring something a little bit out of the ordinary to the table. The other one that I think is worth looking out for, that maybe some Sunderland fans haven't heard an awful lot about, but he's a, he's a lad called Illiman Njaye, who's got quite an interesting backstory. He uh, he briefly was on the books of a, of a couple of clubs in France. Then the family moved to Senegal. Uh, 
and he played a little bit of football out there, moved back to England with a, with a family. A couple of Premier League clubs turned him down after going there on trial. He ended up at Boreham Wood, wasn't really even playing for them. Somebody at Sheffield United spotted him, taken him to the football club, and now, just this summer, he's, he's earned his first call-up for the for the Senegal national team. He's really flying. And again, he's a little bit like Kadra. I just think he's a, he's a joy to watch because I've used this in our paper. There's there's almost, when, when you watch Illiman play, football now is, is so often it's about tactics and, and suffocating game plans and almost, you know, set play patterns and things like that. When you watch someone like Illiman play, it's like watching a kid in the playground. You can see they're playing football for the sheer joy of it. They, you know, they try things. He tries things. Sometimes it doesn't always come off, but when it does, it's it's very, very spectacular and, and very, very effective. So I think he's another player for Sunderland fans to look out for as well. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, when I've seen Sheffield United play this season, it seems like he's full of energy, kind of press from the front. Um, yeah. But how will Sheffield United kind of approach this game? Obviously, they're playing against a newly promoted side in Sunderland at home. Will it be a case of trying to dominate possession or, or pressing high? Or how do you think they'll approach the match? I think they'll try and dominate possession. Yeah. Uh, Paul was speaking about this actually to us, uh, as I said, during his pre-match press conference. He, he, I mean, he thinks this has got all the, the ingredients of being a really, really fascinating and a really exciting game. And I think he's absolutely right. Mm. There'll be a huge away following, uh, following as always, from Sunderland. Uh I don't know how Sunderland see their season going, but I would anticipate, even if they've not said so publicly, they'll be looking to push on and, and challenge. I th and I think that's quite right. A team like Sunderland shouldn't just be content to tread water, and I don't think they will be. They'll be looking to go straight through the divisions. Sheffield United are looking to do that as well. United had the biggest home crowd in the division last year. Uh, that may well be a mantle that Sunderland take off them, depending on how well things go at the stadium alike. But they had the biggest crowd in the division last year. It's a really raucous crowd. It's a good old-fashioned crowd. No airs or graces or, or pretensions to it. And it does get behind the team. And in order to really tap into that, Sheffield United need to get on, on, on the front foot, be aggressive, be, you know, look to press and, 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 and make things happen. So, and I think it's a team that's geared up to play that way as well. I think when you look at the personnel that have been brought in, that's what they're most comfortable doing. I can't imagine it being any different for this one. Mm -hmm. Well, just before we go, James, we usually finish by asking uh, our guests just for a quick score prediction. So, uh, how do you see the game going? Uh, against no, <laughs> I'm going to go, you would expect me to say this, mm. but I am going to go 2-1 to Sheffield United but I suspect that might be a late goal. Mm. I think it'll be a tight, tight goal. And I'm not just saying that because I've got to come to Sunderland later in the season. I, ge I genuinely think it'll be a, a really tight, really hard-fought game. But I think home advantage will just get Sheffield United across the line late on. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think, as I said before, I think this is Sunderland's probably toughest test of the season. They've, they've So far, they've won one, drawn two, played Coventry, Bristol City and QPR at the weekend, but I think this is going to be their toughest test. And uh, I think Sheffield United will probably just edge it out. So I'll go 2-1, but, um, you know, it'll be a good test for Sunderland. Uh, they started the yeah. season well um, in the league. You know, it's now 21 unbeaten under Alex Neil. Obviously, a lot of those games are in League One, but um, 
think we'll see a, a step up and it'll be interesting to see how some of them cope so no absolutely um, and it, it, it'll be a really tough game for Sheffield United too as well that's what I think makes it mm. makes it so great you know that's how they're viewing it as well mm. yeah well it'll be definitely be an interesting game uh one that I think that we'll we'll all be looking forward to um so James thanks a lot for for joining me on this episode of the Raw podcast uh you can um, go over to the Sunderland Echo website to find more build-up to the game. Alex Neal held these pre-match press conference on Tuesday morning, so we've got reaction to that. And we'll have more build-up uh, to the game at Bramall Lane, as well as uh, reaction and analysis. Uh, so once again, thanks a lot for listening to the Raw podcast.